0: This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 177, a Don Bluth retrospective.
1: Welcome to the
2: Strangers and
0: Aliens podcast. Strangers. To boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien, or would you be a strange alien? The truth
2: is
1: exactly. <laughs> out I am your father's best friend's
0: <laughs> Superman, Wonder Woman,
1: heroes, villains, <laughs> <laughs> Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. <laughs>
0: room in sci-fi for God, the very first thing that God did so why is he why? was that
2: he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast.
1: Greetings and welcome back to Strangers and Aliens, a podcast about faith, imagination, science fiction, and fantasy. I am one of your hosts, Evan David, and I am not alone. I am joined by my two other intrepid host people, and one of them is named. Whoever wants to speak first, you may. You may
2: take the second spot.
0: Is that you? You want to do that? Uh, what? Should I do it? Or you? Go ahead. Me? Me? Go ahead. Well, okay. I'm Ben well, Avery.
2: Hi. Well, that was uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: Sorry, it's my first time starting the show. Let's go with, uh, in alphabetical order, Steve
2: McDonald. I don't think that's alphabetical.
0: But I already introduced myself, so technically I already went before you.
2: Well, okay. Uh, okay. (laughs) okay. In alphabetical order,
0: people who haven't introduced themselves, you're the first, Steve.
2: Well, you just introduced me, so no biggie there, I guess.
0: Everything's off, man. It's all gone. It's all gone hanky.
1: Over there. I already introduced myself. So anyway, hey, everybody. why we're here today. Ben, do you want to ask me why we're here today?
0: <laughs> that, that was the plan. Okay. <laughs>
2: Who
0: is this is today? this is like episode five right now.
2: Is, it, is anybody here today? <laughs> oh
0: man. Okay. Well, you know what though? It, it, you know, you gotta you gotta work out the kinks, right?
2: Hey, every episode with, with Evan is like episode five.
0: Yeah, well, you know, a, better
2: go back and listen to episode five.
0: Here I I I I entrusted you with a task, Evan. And, um
1: and you failed us.
0: And, hey, and I did
1: my part. It hit the fan when you guys were trying to figure out who to introduce yourself first. But let me introduce to you the man of the hour, who is not me? one of is no it me? not one of our hosts. His name is Don Bluth, and he is why we are here today. So While so
0: Evan, why did you suggest this episode as topic? <laughs> Okay, well, uh, just a I'm just reasons. taking the natural course of conversation here, and uh, yeah, the yeah. question would come up, uh, and so I, I must speak it.
1: Well, the reason I I decided to bring up Don Bluth is because he is a prolific animator uh, in animated films from the late or mid late '80s uh, through the through the '90s, and uh, he used to be a Disney animator, and he kind of made a controversial. Um, career move when he quit Disney because he was kind of disenchanted with the whole thing and stole I guess quote unquote animators from Disney and they all left with him to start their own animation company and he and his team then uh, joined up I think with Universal or Amblin or something and they became Disney's animation rivals through the late 80s and early 90s
0: yeah working with Steven Spielberg at first anyway Yes, um, closely working with with him as as their producer, um, but yeah, you know, it, it reminds me of the uh, the whole Marvel Image thing, where you had these creators leave Marvel to create Image, and become Marvel's rival competition, although not deadly competition,
1: right? Um, but uh, Don Bluth and his team they became some pretty—I mean, they, I'm pretty sure they beat out Disney several times uh, with their animated films that they were creating and not without, uh, reason Don Bluth, the way he animates and the way he teaches others to animate it's the level of excellence is incredible.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm I, I was trying to look at the timeline here because, um, you know, they, they started coming in with, uh, especially the, the Amblin, uh, working with Amblin entertainment, uh, that late eighties. And, uh, I was trying to figure out when when was uh the, the Renaissance for Disney's animation? It started in nineteen eighty nine and it, I
1: believe it went through ninety six or something like that.
0: Yeah, because that was uh Little Mermaid. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so for for them, eighty nine was all dogs go to heaven. That was a huge hit for them. Was it really? Yeah. It was, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah. Uh it wasn't their first big hit. Um, but it, it did it did okay. It did yeah. okay. Thirteen million dollar budget, twenty seven million dollar box office. Yep, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. What did Little Mermaid do?
2: Hmm.
0: I have no idea. Well, let's find out because I'm curious.
1: Now, Don Bluth uh, is not only famous for being a rival for Disney he and his team, but he's also kind of known for uh, the having stellar animation, but also sometimes sacrificing the plot or character development, or all the other important stuff in a film.
0: Okay, little, so, little Mermaid, $40 million budget, $211 million box office.
2: Woo! So I made a, a couple of, couple of boxes.
0: Yeah, a little bit better, a little bit better. <laughs> so you, what was the sacrifice you were saying there, Evan?
1: Well, sometimes, uh, so he's, he's known for having some really, really good ones, and some really, really, really weird slash terrible movies and we're going to get to that yes um and the reason being is his main focus is on the animation which always maintains its quality but it's almost like why even bother watching the movie because it's so weird
0: (laughs) sometimes unless that's the reason you're watching yeah yes the weird yeah um well evan again i mean we've talked about their you know his importance and his you know, he is one of the uh you know, masters of the art form. Yes in, in animation. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one reason to talk about him, sure. But why did you bring him up when we were talking about episode topic possibilities?
1: You know, I really can't remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Are there you what? are you trying to lead me into something? Do you remember no, something that I don't remember? No, I'm trying to find out for okay. you. Like what what is it about Don Bluth that makes you like Makes it a go-to topic for you
1: because I'm I'm really into animation as you guys may or may not have picked up I I love it and I'm also into uh, Disney and he did work for Disney and he was a rival for Disney so it's a cool piece of Disney history I'm also kind of interested in the types of movies he made because like I said some of them are really good like in all respects uh, and then just with the heavy level of the focus on animation how. How badly they missteered the ship on some of their uh, films. And yet it's kind of like watching a train wreck because, you know, it's so, you just, your eyes are drawn to it. You wanna finish the whole thing, but you know that when you get done, you're just gonna be like, what in the world did I just put into my brain
0: (laughs) by watching this movie? Okay. See, here's the thing you're saying that I don't have any movies that I can think of that I've seen of his that made me have that reaction and so i'm, have I'm you really seen
1: rock doodle ben
0: no no and that's why i want to get to that i want to find <laughs> okay. out what are these movies you're talking about and okay. should i track these down are they good enough well good luck or bad enough to fit what i like to see in a weird movie so okay yeah so he started his career though he's well let's not get into the his his uh outline with the with his career yet Steve, what's your what's your first interaction with with Don Bluth as a as a creator? Hmm?
2: Well, uh with the with the Disney movies that he did. Um much more than uh anything that he did himself. I mean, I I I guess Dragon's Lair <laughs> the video game.
0: Explain, explain. Well, Dragon's Lair uh,
2: in the 80s you know, video games were were coming out of that low tech and trying to get into you know more high tech, more cool visuals and things like that, moving away from the Pac Man and Space Invaders type of thing. And what Don Bluth did was he created a video game that used animation and your choices dictated what was happening with the animation. It was sort of like a cartoon that you were creating at the same time that you're, you know, moving the joystick and pushing the buttons. So it was really kind of cool because, you know, it, it's this uh, medieval, you know, a knight fighting a dragon type of a thing. Um, but at the same time, you're the one directing it. You know, you have to do the right thing to, to get the... The hero to to win the maiden so that was that was really a cool cool deal there yeah. at its um, at its
0: base nature of uh, not base nature the basic um description here is it's a text adventure or a choose your own adventure kind of thing only right. you're just hitting the button at the right time to choose like what path you want to go and right and if you hit it at the wrong time he dies if you hit at the if you hit the wrong thing, he dies. And if you hit the correct thing, it goes to the next cut scene.
1: And if you fail to hit anything, you die. He, also, you right? die too.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you're basically choosing what is it going to cut to next. And you know, so he bounces around the screen, and and then if, if you do it right, it'll continue. And if you do it wrong, it'll cut to a death scene or that kind of. thing. I, I actually just because of this went and watched a playthrough. And uh, Steve, I'm curious how far you got in this thing, because I started watching the playthrough and I remembered the first 20 seconds vividly (laughs) because I played this at Chuck E. Cheese like 10 times. Yeah. And I couldn't get past like the third choice. Right. You come up to the castle and then you fall through the drawbridge and then things come up from the moat and you have to get through the door. Right, And I think I did make it through the door maybe once. But I had this vivid memory of all of those things. But I, I didn't remember anything except for some of the more classic moments where it's just like, oh, I've seen that somewhere, maybe in a trailer or something like that. But mm-hmm. here's the other thing. And this does kind of feed into what you're talking about, Evan, with some of the weirdness and stuff. Mm-hmm. I could not believe how sexualized this thing was.
1: The, the princess that the, you rescued? Oh,
0: my goodness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then there's the sequel. And the sequel opens up with uh, Dirk the Daring, I think is his name, uh, Mm -hmm. at a table with all of his children. And he has like 12 children. Oh, boy. And his mother-in-law comes and starts chasing him and trying to beat him up because she was captured again. She's like, how could you let that happen? And then you go through this. (laughs) He goes into the castle and finds a time machine. And you go through this surrealistic, weird i think it's called like uh dragon's lair 2 time warp or something like that uh he goes through the mirror and there's alice in wonderland stuff and then he's on a piano keyboard and it's mozart (laughs) and instruments start flying around and you're jumping from clarinet to violin while a cat is trying to catch you and again his wife now the the princess um i can't remember her name princess daphne or something like that Mm -hmm, um again she's just wearing this basically she's wearing a black low-cut one-piece swimsuit with a sheer um dress over it so you know it's like this kind of sparkly see-through um dress kind of thing and then the worst thing possible for me happens he saved her my hero my hero i mean again she's just absolutely the way she's looking at him the way she's touching her lip in both of these she's just being you know and then they get on the time machine they go back home and pick up their children and i'm like she's wearing that outfit with her children around yeah yeah i'm just thinking to myself this is this is weird yeah. this is just wonky but yeah Based on
1: some of the stuff i see in his films i yeah i'm wondering what's going on in his personal life and in his head and Like that, but we'll get we'll get to it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't and that's that's another like it's like a love-hate relationship with me and him, uh with with his films anyway, because uh some of them I you know they might be of really good quality, but some of the stuff he puts in them I don't really care for, and I don't uh I don't know if I could recommend it to people.
0: Now there's one more video game that he did like this, and that was called Space Ace. Mm -hmm. And I never actually played Space Ace. I remember Space Ace because it was a Saturday morning cartoon yeah and the thing I remember the most about that is Ace Um, there's Ace and then the, the girlfriend character but I don't know if he was like a wimpy nerd kid who powered up to be a really strong heroic space hero kind of thing or if it was the other way around where he would he was supposed to be this really strong heroic space hero and he kept like shrinking back down to this kind of gawky geeky kid but, yeah, that one, a little less sexualized as far as the female character goes. And the, I just remember the Saturday morning cartoon. And I thought there was a Dragon's Lair Saturday morning cartoon, and there is. But the princess in that one, she's wearing a traditional Disney princess dress. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> yeah. good. So, anyway, that's, that's Space Ace and Dragon's Lair. So those are, yeah, those were, they were big deals. The, the Space Ace and Dragon's Lair were, and Dragon's Lair 2 was released, you know, nine, ten years later in the early 90s, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah, let's see, 91, 91. So my first uh, introduction to, to Don Bluth was, was The Secret of Nim, mm. which uh, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim was a novel that the movie was based on um that would have been in 80 his list here is 82 with secret well, ben, him.
1: why don't we why don't we start there because that is his most famous film
0: well i'd like to start a little bit earlier than that okay let's take a look at his disney credits okay he was animation director on pete's dragon yeah i see that mm-hmm. yep. uh that's pretty cool and the remaking mm-hmm. pe- pete's dragon so they're, it, timely right we're talking about yep. pete's dragon um he worked on sleeping beauty sword in the stone Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the director of, back in
2: 59.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's probably an early, early, early career yeah. for him,
1: but he was an assistant animator uncredited on that one.
0: And on sword of the stone, same mm-hmm. kind of thing.
1: He directed the small one, which is one of the only, if not the only Disney cartoon about Jesus Christ. Have you guys ever oh, seen that one, Oh,
0: he directed that. Yeah. How about that? Huh?
2: If you guys don't know,
0: the small one one. is
1: about the donkey that is eventually sold to Mary and Joseph. It's about a little boy who loves his donkey, and he's going to sell him, even though the donkey is never mentioned in the Bible.
0: Yeah, and everyone knows the donkey had super, super long ears, (laughs) and his name was Nestor. Yeah, Yeah. that's the real story. Everyone knows that. Not a small horse. Um. Yeah, I song. have this. I have this DVD with. It's on the DVD with Mickey's Christmas Carol, huh. and yeah, huh. I didn't realize he directed that. Well, there you have it. Okay. Um, he also he was uh, animation director for the Rescuers, uh, but then it's around in that time. Rescuers is seventy seven, and he did Small One in seventy eight. He also uh, did Fox and the Hound, didn't he? He worked on Fox and the Hound in 81, and then his next credit is Secret of Nim in 82. Mm. That's when he must have quit. So, yeah, let's talk about Secret of Nim. That was the first time I ever saw a cartoon swear. Yep. (laughs) There's one in there. Wow. There is, and I just remember as a kid watching and thinking, oh, my goodness, there was a swear in a cartoon. What just happened? Can that that be? Is that Uh, legal? So that was, that was his own studio's first movie. And I, I don't know, let's see how good it how well it did in the, in the box office, huh? Because, you know, box office doesn't give us quality, but it does. Oh man, budget 7 million. You want to guess on the, how much the box office take was? No. 14.
2: <laughs> hey, it doubled.
0: Doubled. anything that doubles its budget is a success somewhat well, but
1: there was no movie studio behind the secret of nim they did that from a garage i'm pretty sure that's probably I possible
2: um they,
1: yeah they all did it from their garage and they put it out there and
2: yeah it's nuts that was the real secret of nim
1: yeah
0: but that was also one of those movies when I'm watching it and I'm I'm noticing the animation. Now I didn't see it in 82. I would have seen it uh, probably a year or two after that when I would have been like 10, 11 or 12 or something like that. But um yeah, that was one where I just started seeing, "Oh, wow, this is this looks really pretty. You know, this is really high quality." And and I was starting to put my finger on high quality and and not just is it exciting? and not just is it bright and flashy but what's good here so
1: <laughs> yeah some trademarks of don bluth films are cute little creatures critters mm-hmm. like uh mice or little dinosaurs or stuff like that and you can tell uh just some of his trademarks are the the double step like when an animal gets into his position he'll shift his weight around maybe And do a double step. It's just a little extra detail of animation that's thrown in there. It just really brings it to life. There's also when cute little characters talk, they'll stick out their tongues. Or they'll fidget with something that's bigger than them or something that they have in their hands. And it's just there's always motion. There's always motion and it's always just meticulous detail.
0: Well, from there, another movie that I, I saw this one in theaters, American Tail. And I re- that was the Spielberg connection. This is, again, now we're talking 86. Um, this is when I'm paying attention to names like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Mm-hmm. And a name like Steven Spielberg in front of a movie is going to want make me want to see it. <laughs> and so this and uh, Land Before Time. Uh, I saw them both in theaters with my family. They were family events for us.
2: I don't think I saw either of them. Oh what! You've never seen either of them? See this. It, the The unfortunate thing is, these are happening for me when I'm becoming a teenager. I'm, I'm already a teenager, so it's not, you know, Disney movies. I'm not watching them anymore. It, animation, you know, I'm not watching it because it's it's their kitty movies. You know, I'm done with kitty movies. I'm trying to, you know, see more PG movies. I'm trying to see more science fiction stuff. And, you know, the legend of Nim comes out or the secret of Nim comes out. And I'm like, hmm, let's see a cartoon about rats or you know, aliens too. And I'm like, uh-huh, let's see which one am I gonna see? So they're hitting me at the wrong time.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, and Land Before you know. Time and American Tale were both def- definitely marketed as as children's movies because that's what they were they were children's movies and this is before um this is before animation was kind of a okay we're gonna make lion king and everyone is going to go see this movie right because (laughs) it's so good that moms and dads are going to go and enjoy themselves with their kids and college students are going to go on dates to see these movies because they're so good that's you know land before time that's not you're not no. getting that no. they're still is, making those movies by the way i know there's a new one like that time just came 14.
1: out
0: yeah we're talking 88 so what 18 years no 88 30 28 years yeah i have to start uh, really working on my math yes yes you do i
1: was raised on land before time uh, i was a dinosaur kid like we have talked i think uh, if you guys go back and listen to our uh Jurassic world episode, Jurassic Park is my thing i and uh so i I watched land before time I wore that thing out when I was growing up
0: um, I've seen maybe four or five of them and uh, it's,
1: it's not really worth going past no. number number
0: five is it even worth going
1: through number five i mean i num no. Sorry, number, number two and five have a character in it that is, was a, a cool addition to the group. Uh, but they're, they're nothing special. I mean, if you liked the first one and you just want to keep going with those characters, watch those two. Other than that, don't bother.
0: But this is a situation where the first one was made by a master.
1: Yes. And it is – it's kind of surreal, uh he puts some th- he puts some adult things and themes in his movies and one thing that kind of is a little off-putting about some of his movies is that all the if you notice most of the backdrops are abstract um the things in the foreground will ha- be given form but the things in the background will be abstract and it kind of gives you like this dreamlike feel uh to his films and it's as a child it's i don't know if you notice but as an adult watching them, it's a, it's a little – I can see how that would psychologically be a little off-putting um, in some – in like scary circumstances because you can't tell where the characters are necessarily. You just know that they're in a scary place and it's all very abstract around you. You can definitely see that in Land Before Time and in American Tale.
0: Well, OK. So from here, all dogs go to heaven. 1989. 1989 in movies. Anything special here, Steve?
2: 1989. 1989
0: in movies. 1989. Are you looking this up? 1989. Steve, Steve, come on. 1989. I'm I'm just not getting it. What what could it be? Well, we had, what, Batman? Oh, yeah,
2: Batman. Uh, Was Indiana Jones' Last Crusade in that year? Batman.
0: Yeah, I, I saw, so, again, All Dogs Go to Heaven I, I saw in the theater with my family, but
2: uh, <laughs> I think if I'm, if I'm choosing between Batman and All Dogs Go to Heaven you know, it's not even a coin flip at that point. So.
1: If I'm choosing between anything and All Dogs Go to Heaven I'm not watching All Dogs
0: Go to Heaven. <laughs> but here's the thing, I want to re-watch All Dogs Go to Heaven. And can I tell you why I want to rewatch All Dogs Go to Heaven? Because in the last couple of years, I've I've grown a a certain appreciation for Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise and that kind of that pack of of actors. Lonnie Anderson was in this, too. (laughs) um, Yeah, it's not great. And it's 1989. I don't want to see this. Yeah, I. Yeah. This is not what I want to see.
1: It's it's not great. And you talk about this is where it just starts going off the like American Tale, Land Before Time, Secret of Nim. All vary in the realm of not not like actual. It can happen, but it's it's firmly on the earth in circumstances that exist. But with all those going to (laughs) happen... So like Land Before Time, it's in quote-unquote prehistoric times if you believe in the millions of... The Earth is millions of years old. That's a real setting, quote-unquote. Okay? American Tail, it's like in the... Early 1900s,
2: late 1800s. It's a real yeah, setting. There's no talking mice in real life. No, but it's a real setting. Oh, okay, okay. That, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about natural settings. Okay, it's okay. in a natural I... setting. All okay. of those go to heaven.
1: Um, they get into some <laughs> weird, abstract sort of things, and then we start adding in weird characters, like all of the all of the um, characters in those other movies. They fit the setting, as far as you know. They're you know, they're mice, but they're in the setting. With this one, we start adding like giant female, big-lipped crocodiles that are singing in like a showgirl type fashion before they are going to eat you.
2: Yeah, that's weird. Kind of, um, it's weird. Yeah. See, I think one of the, I think one of the things that I am realizing now, looking at the list of the of the Don Bluth movies that I never saw, I think what. I I was assimilating was, you know, I just want to get back to the list for a second, were these things where, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, the land before time and had the, the whole dinosaur thing. So, I'm, you know, I'm growing up in a Christian household and, and it's like, well, wait a minute, is this evolution thing? And I'm like, so I'm, I'm a little off put by that. And then it goes to all dogs go to heaven. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? That just sounds, that's kind of, you know, what? So I'm like getting these things <laughs> and what was the other one? I thought there was another one. Maybe it was American uh, um, Tail? No, I think uh Rockadoodle? No, I'm trying to think. I think there was one other thing. I'm I'm not sure what it is, but it 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 was just
0: do <laughs> Xanadont.
2: It, it was just <laughs> it was it was off off putting for for me being a Christian trying to formulate my theology and everything. And these movies keep coming up, and this guy's name, Don Bluth, keeps, keeps being associated with it. And I'm just like, you know what? Maybe I'll just not watch his stuff and you know, leave it at that. And I think that was sort of what was going through my mind at the time. So I ended up not watching An American Tale, which
0: it, a lot of people told me is really good. That was the first one, uh, though. I mean, that that was before All Dogs Go to Heaven and the Land yeah. Before Time. An yeah, American Tale is think- actually... It's it's one of the ones that I don't
1: take issue with pretty much anything in there. It's right. really good,
2: yeah. right? But even look, you know, going back to watch them after they've already been out on video, you know, whatever. Um, I I never said, hey, that sounds like a good one to, to get because I just saw the Don Bluth name and I associated it with the other ones that I had a bad feeling with. Mm. So I just sort of you know kept away from it. I think that was my overwhelming association with Don Bluth.
0: Well, All Dogs Go to Heaven was my last one with him until <laughs> 2000. Uh well, kind of, until 2000. But it was because, you know, that was 89. That was my freshman sophomore year in high school. Um I mean, I'm not going to see kid movies anymore. You know, if you look at all the movies that came out in 1989, okay? This is this is uh, you know, Batman Indiana Jones, Star Trek V, Karate Kid Three, uh, Back to the Future Two. I mean, this is a, this is those are the movies I'm going to go see. Those are the movies that uh, that I want to to go, and they're not family yeah. movies where my whole family is going to see these together. But this is where I'm starting to get old enough to be able to just you know, hey, let's go see these movies, or let's rent them. Right. You know, when we do our our overnight. Role-playing game weekends with my friends Bill and Corbett and Gordon and John and them. Uh, we're renting um, Batman. We're 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 uh, you know we're going to see Star Trek Five in the theater together because that's what we right. do. Of you know? course, classic. Um, and we need to do something about Star Trek Five again. We need, we need to do a <laughs> rewatch. Have you seen that, Evan? Ah, uh, which one is that one? The one where they look for God.
2: What do you know of my pain?
0: Okay, I don't know if I've seen that
2: one. <laughs> I doubt any God who inflicts pain me, his own
0: pleasure. Excuse me. What does God need with a starship? <laughs> In fact, if I were to rename this podcast, if I were to say go on the uh, solo uh, and say, okay, st- Strangers and Aliens is done. I'm starting over, starting from episode zero, it would be called What Does God Need with a Starship? Nice. <laughs> uh, I like Strangers and Aliens better. Nice. Yeah. And Yeah. I also prefer doing episodes where I actually get to talk to people. Yeah, so, I like talking to people, too. Um, all The solo stuff I like doing, but it's not as fun. Yeah. So anyway, after, let's see, where does he go after All Dogs Go to Heaven? rock doodle There it is. Mm-hmm. 1992. rock doodle mm-hmm. Tell me about Rockadoodle, doodle Evan.
1: Okay, if you want a trippy, weird, weird, weird... And yet slightly endearing movie, you need to go watch Rock-A-Doodle.
0: This is the one with the Elvis Rooster, right? It is with the Elvis Rooster.
1: Chanticlair is his name. And so it's a hybrid live action.
0: really um,
1: animated movie, yes. It's about uh so the, the story go do you want me to tell the story? Just the premise
0: kind of No, just give us the the, the flyover.
1: Okay, the flyover is there's a rooster, and he makes the sun come up every morning with his cock-a-doodle-doing, right? And the way he cock a is he sings like a really, really good singer like Elvis, and that's how he makes the sun come up. But then there's these owls that hate the sun, and they want to stop it from coming up. So they send a mercenary bird to stop Chanticleer from singing just long enough so, all the animals and everybody can see that he is not actually the one that makes the sun come up. And the sun does rise without him singing. And then everybody turns their back on Chanticleer and stops believing in him. And so he goes away, he runs away. And ever since he left, the sun's never shone again. It's always been covered in rain clouds and darkness. And so then we <laughs> cut back to. That's all animated. Then we come back to the quote unquote real world where this kid is on a farm and he's heard these stories about Sean Claire and everything and the sun's not shining and there's a big flood. It's flooding all the the farmlands and stuff. And while his parents are out doing the sandbags, um, the evil owl comes into his room and turns everything animated and turns him into a cat. Um, And the reason he did that is because the kid knows the only way to stop this flood and to save his family is to go find Chanticleer and bring him back.
2: It should be called Wackadoodle.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: And it just. I want to see this. Don't there. say any anymore. I
1: want to see this now. Yeah, it gets weirder from there. But yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, it's really weird, really interesting. All of the uh, Don Bluth hallmarks are in there, including the abstract stuff, the cute characters, the pinkish backgrounds,
0: the. Um, over-sexualized women
1: yes i think so actually okay. but except they're chickens
0: oh well, that doesn't <laughs> yeah that doesn't mean anything I mean, that, all yes, right yes
2: except they're chickens <laughs> i think so <laughs> and in fact
0: so wow okay well hmm well maybe i won't watch it with the kids but yeah well you got me, I, got me I, interested I, I, enough i can't
1: remember but it it seems like there might be so i can't remember i haven't seen it in so long because it is weird but the songs in it are so catchy huh that's why i say it's sort of endearing all right yeah catchy songs in the vo- uh what's his name oh this is Matt. Will Ryan uh who is uh he's in a lot of don blues films uh He's in he's Petrie and Lin Before Time and he's in a bunch of other stuff. But he's in this one. And he also plays uh Eugene from Adventures in Odyssey.
0: Interesting. So
1: I kinda like that too. Well, there you
0: go. Well, it looks like I can't find anywhere to watch it for free. Uh, uh you can find it at a Family Video Ben. If you dare. Wait, that'd be what free is, there, wouldn't it be?
1: What is Family Video? It's a video store around where we live. We have oh, lo- okay. we actually have lots of video stores. That are still in business. Wow. Mostly family
0: video. See. But they they have a free children's section. They do. Yeah. That's cool. Hmm. Okay.
2: Around my area they have places where they just give videos away because no one watches them <laughs> anymore. Oh gosh. I have a lot.
0: Um all right, so, so let's move on. So then we have Thumbelina, ninety four, Troll in Central Park, ninety four, Pebble and the Penguin, ninety-five. I'm gonna stop there because I think there's a, more, a a bigger subject here in 97 on the list, but yes. Thumbelina, Troll in Central Park, Pebble and the Penguin, I haven't seen any of those. I've seen them all. I've been curious about Troll in Central Park. Troll, Cent-
1: troll in Central Park, I've seen it once or twice when I was a kid. We rented it from the video store. I don't remember much about it. It's about a troll who uh, – all the other trolls are uh, they're, you know – they're ugly, monstrous things, but this troll is nice and sweet, and he has a green thumb and like literally has a green thumb and when he touches the ground it creates <laughs> plants i see he on the can, picture right there yeah. like he wow. has a green thumb he, he can plant he can plant stuff with his thumb and apparently this is bad cuz trolls hate beauty and plants um and so he befriends two friends and uh, two little kids in central park it is widely panned as his worst film okay um i haven't seen it since i was like 6 so i don't remember much about it at all
0: that's not the one i'm thinking of that i want to see then um because the thing the one i wanted to see that i'm thinking of is actually it might not be don bluth but it was uh it was a george mcdonald story
2: wow North anything Wind, else you want to tell us about it no, no. Relation.
0: uh you know george mcdonald i don't not oh. personally
2: wait a minute hold on the a fantasy writer you don't know who george mcdonald is
0: what has he written Oh no. I, oh, no. No, no, Steve. This you, is
2: why you're an ensign.
0: No, no, Steve, <laughs> Steve. You have to forgive this. This He is a turn-of-the-century writer, one of the writers who influenced C.S. Lewis. Okay. Very much. He wrote uh, a book called Lilith. He wrote At the Back of the North Wind. I've heard of Lilith. Um, He wrote, oh, what's the other one that's kind of hand-in-hand hand with Lilith?
2: Fantasties.
0: Fantasies, yeah. Um, or Fantasties. um. Yeah, he he's known for writing um kind of these surreal spiritualish uh fantasy ad- adult fantasies, but then he's also known for writing um kind of fairy tale-ish children's fantasies, but he's also known for writing um poems and theology and, and and stuff like that. And so he's um he's a Scottish writer. Um yeah. Okay. So
2: no relation, by the way.
0: <laughs> Steve, you got to forgive this one. There's, there's got to be grace on, on that one. I mean, he. Uh, we're talking about he's heard of
2: Lilith. If he's heard of Lilith, okay, there we go. I'm just going to leave it. In that I think color. I have. I'm pretty sure. I heard no, no, no. no don't, 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 don't say anything else. Don't say anything else. We're giving you the grace because you've heard of Lilith, and don't say anything else. Let's just move on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Pebble and the Penguin. Okay, yes, the Pebble and the Penguin. We went to that uh, when we were little. It is also a strange one. It's another take on the penguins mating ritual of giving stones to the, uh, their mates that they're going to have. You know, the, you guys are familiar with that thing that they do? Yeah. So this is a dweeby penguin. I think his name actually might be dweeby.
2: Neo maxi zoom dweeby?
1: I don't know. Okay. Um, But, yeah, I think his name might actually be Dweeby. And he he finds an emerald instead of a pebble, and he gives it to this girl penguin. But she is sought after by another evil tyrant penguin with a cape voiced by – what's his name? The evil hotel manager from Home Alone 2. (laughs) I don't know. I cannot believe I can't remember his name right now.
0: Um… He's a famous voice actor, not Tim Curry.
1: Yes, Tim Curry. Okay, he's voiced by Tim Curry. They're singing. It's weird. Um, yeah, it's it's another True Blue Don Bluth movie, very much in the in the style of. Oh, you are kidding uh, Rock-a-Doodle. me.
0: Barry Manilow wrote the songs for this movie and for Thumbelina.
1: Now that makes sense. Uh, Thumbelina has some Manilow. very good songs. Oh Really? Yes. At least one. At least one very good song.
0: Because according to Wikipedia right here, Mary the Mole won a Razzie for worst original song.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, it has one very good song, which is uh, Let Me Be Your Wings, which is the song that the, the fairy prince sings to Thumbelina. Thumbelina scarred me for life as a child because she gets kidnapped by scary frogs in the night. All right. It's scary. And Sounds great. Don Bluth has some freaky-looking characters in his movies. As you can see by the character, uh, the poster art for Pebble and the Penguin, the macaroni penguin in the movie is freaky-looking, and the main character is really weird-looking. <laughs> and the villain looks like a character from Darkwing Duck.
0: Okay. Uh, so 97, we come to Anastasia, and this one I know about because this one, they made a huge, huge push with this. Yes, and they this was supposed to be like their you know Disney had their Renaissance and had their Beauty and the Beast. This was going to be their Beauty and the Beast kind of. Mm-hmm. And if you take out all of the parts with Rasputin in it, I like this movie.
2: <laughs> is is there a version? Is there like a you know machete version where all that all that stuff I, is taken? I out? I would
0: doubt that, but that um, would be nice. But Rasputin is a historical figure. He is, but they turn him into a
1: very, very overtly demonic character.
0: He was a very, <laughs> very overtly demonic person. I know, I person. know. But he
1: was not this not sicking demons on people and having them try to commit suicide in the middle of the night against their will in their dreams.
2: Oh, okay, okay. So, like
1: actually demonic. Yes, like actually demonic. Like I believe he was actually demonic
0: this the you look at have you ever seen any pictures of rasputin in real life
1: i think so yes
0: this man uh, speaking of rasputin and pictures of him we used to take pictures print off pictures of him in a library when i worked in the at bethel's library at the college there and kevin blowers and i would hang up pictures of him in different places and um (laughs) yeah if you ever get a chance i don't know if you ever come across kevin blowers at all evan over there at bethel but Ask him about Rasputin.
2: Okay.
1: (laughs) I'm sure I'll bump into him eventually. (laughs) He
0: may not even remember what I'm talking about, but okay. (laughs) Oh, those pictures are just so creepy. His eyes are just, I mean, there's reasons to take it
1: to the next level. Watch Anastasia.
0: Well, I I have seen Anastasia. I've seen this one and I, I I wasn't blown away by it, but it was still high quality animation and all that. Yes. Yes. Um, and then the, the, quirky animal characters that have to be there you know there's while...
1: only one in that movie
0: yeah, the bat right Bartok yep yeah and he was hilarious I was gonna, I was gonna call him Batrock. <laughs> the leaper
1: <laughs> you know they made an unofficial direct-to-video sequel Bartok the Magnificent how which is it my unofficial si- well it is I guess it's because it, it's not an Anastasia sequel, technically.
0: Oh, so it's a spin-off.
1: It's yes, yeah, it's a spin-off We love yeah. that movie. We loved it. I can't I think it had some actually now looking back on it, I probably wouldn't watch it today because it's got some witchcrafty, demonic stuff in it too, I think, but we loved it when we were little. He's a funny
0: little character.: um, If you're going to take a real person from history and turn them into a an evil, demonic character. Rasputin is the one because he really was uh, just a a terrible evil, uh, and there might be some exaggeration in that, but not good, mm-hmm. <laughs> not good. Yeah, wow, interesting. Okay, Uh from there we move to is it two thousand with Titan AE? Yes, the animated sci-fi feature film. Steve, do you ever see this one?
2: I did see this one. Yes. And what I remember is that it was sort of jarring because it was supposed to be in the the 30th century or something and people were just using like 20th century slang, like late 20th century slang a lot. And I'm like I need something to sort of bring me out of the 20th century if you're showing me something that's in the 30th century. You know? Steve, so, the yes. stuff that
1: bothers you cracks me up
2: well yeah i know but it's at, <laughs> at some point you know you you need to give me something that says this isn't the 20th century
1: all the spaceships the aliens
2: that.
1: <laughs> that didn't help
2: but the thing is yeah, I've i've seen movies where there's spaceships and aliens and it's the 20th century so you need to Pull me out of the twentieth century and give me something else. That's what you need to do. You know? So that's that was my overwhelming experience with Titan AE.
0: You know this screenwriter on Titan AE? Who? Joss Whedon.
2: Oh, oh well, that
1: explains some one stuff. of
0: them. One of one of them.
1: Okay. I have several experiences with Titan AE.
0: I have if one shared. Okay, go ahead. I went and saw it in the theater and kind of liked it. Okay. That's my experience.
1: <laughs> All right. Titan A.E. is the one Don Bluth film on this list that he was you know, in charge of. Not the ones from Disney, but the ones that he did by himself. It's the one that I can say without reservation, I really like this movie. And I would recommend everybody go see it. Uh, when I saw the preview... Uh, in the theater, me and my dad, we thought it was a a live action film because they of the use of uh, CGI to do the spaceships, and they didn't show any of the characters in the teaser trailer. And so we thought they show the planet exploding, they show the uh, the spaceship, and we thought, oh, this is a cool live action movie. Then we saw uh, trailers on television, and we're like, oh, it's animated. Now we really want to go see it. So we went and saw it. I loved it. I, I thought it was great. I still know all the words to all the songs in the film.
0: I don't remember any songs in that movie. Yeah, if you put,
1: put it on, man, I'll, I'll sing along right along with them, the whole thing. It's great. And uh, one time we were out uh, at Toys R Us, and I had saved up money in my piggy bank. And I came across this massive cache of titan ae action figures on sale for a dollar each it was like every action figure they had made they had there for a dollar each and so i bought them all <laughs> uh,
0: they, they had action figures for that
1: they did and i bought them all
0: <laughs> Huh. okay i, it I like, guess I, this shouldn't surprise me because they made action figures for like everything for a while there i guess yeah.
1: It was the find of the, it was the find of the year.
0: I believe you. I'm I got okay. Like 10, I'm I'm looking at them here. New toys. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's it's a it's a movie made for action figures. When yeah. you really think about it, but, um, yeah, I I just remember liking it because it seemed like a a fairly mature sci-fi movie. It had, you know, it was, was some juvenile action adventure elements to it, um, but. That was okay, you know and and yeah i I enjoyed it I, I enjoyed it enough to watch it, I think twice
1: yeah it's it's a grown- up movie uh it's got I don't know if yeah it's it's got a lot of adult situations, adult uh themes, like not inappropriate, but it's just it's very mature in its story and in its characters,
0: okay, but according to my internet sources right here, budget was seventy five to ninety million dollars. care to guess the box office? Not that much. Thirty six. Woo! I contributed to that. That is not a hit. <laughs> no. Interesting. Would you say it's
1: a cult classic though? Is it listed as a cult classic?
0: I have no idea. I don't know if, if there's. I don't know if there's a, an appreciation for this movie now, oh, or not. It's good. I like it. What I found jarring, and I guess this was the one knock, and it was really this is them exploring technology here, but was the two dimensional animation for the characters against three-dimensional settings and spaceships. So I, I guess that would be my, my, my one knock against even though can you knock it for being experimental?
1: I personally can't because I didn't really mind at all when I was a kid. I mean, this movie sucked me in. It was great. I, I really liked it. It's got, I mean, I can't believe it did so poorly. It's got Matt Damon and Drew Barrymore as the main characters. So if you're a Matt Damon fan and you've not seen this, Can you really be a Matt Damon
0: fan? I don't know how many people call themselves Matt Damon fans. but I know a bunch of people who consider
1: themselves Matt Damon fans because of the Bourne movies. Okay. So this is my challenge to those people.
0: Well, but he was cast in this movie because he was the big thing right then.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, this is hitting right at that time where, uh, let's see, who else was in that movie? What did you say? Matt Damon. Drew Barrymore. Barrymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you bring in some of the older ones. Nathan Lane's in this. You bring in Nathan Lane and Bill Pullman. Also, Janine Garofalo.
2: Tone Loke.
0: Was in it or sang in it?
2: Uh, I think he has. No, he's in it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, from there, not much happened since then. That was pretty much, seems like a nail in the career coffin, except he did some short videos and stuff like that, music videos, and now... I don't know if it's still ongoing, but they're doing a uh, fundraising campaign for a Dragon's Lair movie.
1: Yes, and he's continued to be a thing in the, I guess, in the video game community, trying to keep Dragon's Lair going.
0: Yeah, uh, just recently, well, I say recently, within the last year, I think, maybe, Mm. um, there was a Dragon's Lair uh, iPhone, iPad app. I, I didn't get it. Um, I was curious enough to look at it, but not enough to download it. But yeah, well, you know, not a bad, not a bad conversation starter here. No, Evan, and
1: I've got one thing that I'd like to do to close the conversation, if you guys don't mind.
0: I don't mind.
1: Are there are there any films in of this uh, of Don Bluth that you would say okay if you want? if you want to explore some of these, these are the ones you have to watch. Or are there any that you'd say, stay away from these?
0: The the films from his list of movies that he's directed that I'd say you should watch. Secret of Nim, American Tale, maybe Land Before Time, and then Titan A.E. Just because these are, those are looking at a master craftsman. That's what you're doing with, with those movies. Mm-hmm.
1: I would agree with all those. I would put a caveat on *Secret of Nim* just because the tone of that one is is a little darker. and yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend it to kids. And like I said, you guys know I'm not a big magic fan, and especially when it's p- depicted as like darker sort of stuff. And the they've got some some of that stuff going on in *The Secret of Nim*.
0: Which I don't remember being in the book.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a science fiction story. But they have a random magical thing that does yeah. magical magicy things, and it's just it's once again kind of in that vein of the that '80s Dungeons and Dragons culture. But, but it's I, just, just the vibe I get off of
0: it. I I I don't. But I also don't recommend. I, I'm not saying watch these movies with your kids necessarily. I'm saying you know, you you can see a master craftsman at work with these movies, especially yeah. with a handcrafted um, art form of of hand drawn and hand crafted animation.
1: Yes, and objectively looking at it as a piece of art and as a film, uh Secret of Nim is his best film. Despite my problems with its content, but yes, it is his best one. And I would recommend Titan AE as well. The ones I tell you to stay away from, The Pebble and the Penguin is just weird. Weird, weird, <laughs> weird. It's weird. Um is it weird? Yeah. Rockadoodle, if you want to have a yourself a, a movie experiment you go ahead and watch that and see if you can make it through but that's one of those ones where it's like it's on the, it's on the border of oh it's so bad it's good and yeah something else that i can't put my finger on it <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay yeah very there you have it that's on that's that's your pull quote for the box art right there um yeah. <laughs> it's on. Uh, it's in the middle between uh so bad as good, and something else. I I just can't put my finger on. Yep. Yeah,
2: <laughs> accurately <laughs> describes it
0: to a T. Uh, Steve, what about you? <laughs> Anything think, from this list that if, you would? Go ahead. I think
2: if if I were, because I don't know that much about you know any of this, but the thing is, if if I was was going to say you know, if if I had the time to prepare for this episode, um, I think I would go back and watch. Looking at the larger list here, um, I would watch uh, The the Rescuers because he's the directing animator there, um, and then um, Secret of Nim, um, American Tale, and probably just to get a sense of his later stuff you know, the culmination basically of, of all his 90s stuff um, to watch Titan A.E. Even, you know, since I had a bad experience with it the first time, now I'm going into it knowing that and then I can sort of uh, sort of uh, put that, you know, get past it. I'd probably throw in Peach Dragon as well. He was the animation director for that um, because, you know, I, I think it's a one of those, Films that you should have on the list, but also there's the, the, the uh, remake coming up. So that's going to be kind of interesting to, to throw that in, you know, into the, the pile there. So I think if I had time to prepare, I would have watched all of those.
0: And I'll say as far as like what modern kids think, uh, American tale, my kids liked that. They recently saw it at my, my parents' house and they liked it a lot. And Pete's dragon, They enjoyed, but they just were puzzled by the goofy, drunk Mickey Rooney character (laughs) where it's just totally. He is absolutely an alcoholic who cannot control himself, and it's completely played for laughs. And so we actually had some really interesting conversations about, you know, the uh, changing perceptions of what it means for someone to actually be an alcoholic from back then where it's played for laughs to today where they would stay away from that and not necessarily play it for laughs, or if they did, they would also play up the, the kind of tragic angle of the addiction and the physical toll and that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right. Well, like I said, Evan, good conversation starter. And well thanks. Uh yeah. So from here, I don't know if I'm gonna watch Rockabilly or not. Or rather, not Rockabilly.
1: i think you and your kids should try it and i want to know what you think
0: well if we do i will let you know (laughs) okay so any final words guys uh stay away from pebble and the penguin (laughs) nice
2: steve um uh, uh um no
0: okay and i guess all i have to say then is thanks for listening everyone and godspeed You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve Macdonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at or like us on Facebook at facebook.com strangers Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening.